Relationships are really, really, really hard. I mean, sometimes they suck big time. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you how you could spiritually evolve and grow despite a very challenging relationship. I'm Holly Hall at AskHollyHall.com. You can find me at AskHollyHall on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram, as well as iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, etc. I am a certified hypnosis, life coach, intuitive, clairvoyant, astrologer with a background in psychology and philosophy, and a history of thousands of clients that I have helped. Basically, people say, what do you do? And I say, you got a question? I'll give you an answer. And at the least, I will point you in the direction to find that answer and to find your happiness. One of the things that I really hear a lot of struggle with is people, my clients, talking about their relationships. The relationships they had in the past, the relationships they are in right now, the relationship that they wish they had. I'm talking about intimate relationships in this episode at AskHollyHall.com. And I invite you to come to my Facebook group and ask me questions and make comments below this recording and subscribe. Here's the deal. I've been in five major relationships. Yeah, I know. No, I'm not 150 years old. My first one was a high school sweetheart. Uh, Ixnay, the sweet part. (laughs) And uh, till I was 14, till I was 21. The next one was a six-year relationship with an engagement, and we actually purchased and started to build a house with a pilot who we fought all the time. I don't even know what I was doing in that relationship, to be honest with you. And I found out later, uh, as the stereotypical pilot he was, he fooled around on me nonstop. So I have a few long-term, let's say, uncomfortable female issues, thanks to that jerk. And then, um, I know, TMI, I'm going to be very frank and very candid in my uh, my recordings, my podcasts that I'm going to be doing from now on, in most cases. The next one, that engagement obviously broke up. And um, I will tell you, though, he did marry the head stewardess and then had two children and lived happily, uh, apparently, in the house that we built and I designed and then divorced. Why? Yeah, he kept cheating. Uh, And then I basically created my knight in shining armor. Yeah, I picked a guy out of a crowd, um, not literally, but a a bar that I frequent and played pool at often. And he was gorgeous, good-looking guy, dumb as a stump, (laughs) very simple, and loyal, reliable, you know, kind of what you do when you buy a lap dog, a golden retriever maybe. And uh, that's when I found my spirituality. That's when I became extreme. I was in my, yeah, I was only in my mid-20s at this point, believe it or not. And 
that's when I found my spirituality. That's when I got involved with astrology. That's when I found my intuition. That's when I got very much involved with mediumship and practicing mediumship. And he didn't like it. It challenged his intelligence. And um, we argued about it all the time. And that's when I found out I couldn't have children. And uh, I thought, well, I'm not having children. Not living like this for the rest of my life. So got rid of that one. And shortly after, hooked up with a long-term male friend and miraculously got pregnant. And he left me six months after we got married when my daughter was 11 months old. And here I am married again. This man helped me raise my child, who is now 20. And we've been together for 17 years. And it has been one long lumpy bumpy road. And I will tell you from experience that once you find the man that checks off most of the boxes, and I'm telling you, they may not always check off the intimacy, passionate box. That's okay. Because I'm going to tell you that when you are attracted to somebody just because they physically turn you on, it's a big no-no. And that was my mistake in the past. Yeah. There was that attraction, but that didn't last long. Not when you find out that you can't have babies, that you're building a house, that you're learning spirituality. Yeah, that attraction doesn't anchor the relationship for too long. Why we're in relationships is to find, not only to expose ourselves, yeah, expose ourselves to ourselves, get to know thyself. And this is not an easy task. We are literally born to get to know who we are, what our gifts are, and share those gifts with the world so that we can collectively help each other evolve so that we can find that nirvana and utopia. And you can find a lot of that information, woo-woo, non-woo-woo, political government, relationships, health, mental health, our teenagers, parenting, everything is in my book at 101 Answers from the Universe at Amazon.com, eyes wide open or Amazon.ca. But thanks for letting me plug there. We need to find unconditional love. And the only way that we can find, our, and I say find because you're not conjuring it up. You're not discovering it as if it has not been, did not exist. You're not creating it. Okay, so no other person can create it. You are finding it. It is there. It is lost. It is hidden. It is beyond the horizon. It is waiting for you to grab it, embrace it, and find that unconditional love within yourself. And once you find that, you find it within everybody else. Okay, now I'm not saying that somebody can't ignite that for you. This is absolutely a truth that can happen. However, it's where that what they're igniting is something that resides within you. So with that being said, then we enter into a long-term relationship. We have fights, we have arguments, we have connection, we feel close, we don't feel close. We want connection, we want to have separation, <laughs> we want to be by ourselves, we want to be together. If you were raised with siblings 
and there was any interaction on a regular basis with your siblings and your parents, which would have been approximately the first 18 years of your life, you went through the exact same thing. You liked them, you didn't like them, you argued with them, you got along with them, you played with them, you hated them. <laughs> you know, you wished they would die, you were glad they were alive. It happens. You will have that with your children if you have children. And when you enter into a partnership, it's not utopia. It's not different than any other relationship that you will ever have. It's exactly the same. The big difference is, the biggest difference is, in most cases, you cannot divorce your siblings. You can do not divorce your parents. You cannot divorce your children. In most cases, there are people that do that, and that's a whole nother story. But 90% of the cases, you can't. But you know what? You can leave, dump, divorce your partner. And that's what we do. Do we need to do that? Should we do that? That's completely up to your discretion. But if you do not learn the lessons that you need to learn about yourself in tandem while being in reflection in a relationship, then when you leave that relationship, you're just going to go into another one and learn the same damn lesson. And you're going to attract either someone exactly the same or another aspect of yourself that needs reflection, that needs to be healed, that needs to be dealt with, that needs to be exposed. Because that's what happens when we're in relationships. We become raw. We become exposed. It becomes hurtful and anger, angry and frustrating and liberating and full of wisdom all at the same time. It's confusing. It's daunting. It's really hard work. Now, when you're in a relationship with your siblings, with your friends, with your teachers, with your um, parents, but I'm going to stick to parents and siblings because those are the ones you kind of live out the first 18, approximately 18 years with. Is this, were, were there rules? Did you sit down and negotiate how you would work together? To live the next 18 years together. I mean, your parents think they have that down pat. They think that they're going to make rules and regulations and stipulations and they're going to support you or, you know, some of some of them, they try, but it usually doesn't fit our version of what, how we want our life to be when we're children. Sometimes we compromise and we force ourselves to be the good girl or the good boy and we do what our parents tell us to do. And then we grow up completely lost, not knowing who we are. <laughs> sometimes we retaliate and we rebel and we go against it. And sometimes we have parents that aren't really good at it. Right? So no, there's no getting pissed off at your parents and having a big fight with them because they're not going to counseling with you. And they don't want to eat, come home in time for dinner every night. Right? But we do this to our spouses. We do this to our partners. So I want you to sit in reflection just with that, just with that realization of how much pressure we put on our relationships. Not only do we do that, we are supported. We're actually romantically blinded and enticed by the desire to have what media, music, videos, movies, tell us we should be. Social media. Look at the happy couple. 
Look at that family going on vacation in Hawaii. Look at them playing basketball because their son is a quarterback. As a couple, I will tell you, in my 20 years of counseling, and anyone who's a counselor or a therapist will tell you the same thing, what you see on the cover of a book is not what's written on the inside. We're all the same. We all have our struggles. We all have our imperfections. I'll tell you a story. I met, we met with an, a new wonderful couple friend. We love them. We get along really well with them so far. It's a brand new relationship. But uh, of course, I'm seeing this in my chart, so I'm being quite optimistic about it. They first told us that uh, when they first met, they went to a trip to India for a month together after about a year or so being together. And we were like, oh, what was that like? You know, as a Westerner, we have mixed views of Indian culture. And on the first thing that came to mind is, is the what's billions of millions and millions of people that live on top of each other in India. And I've heard people say that, you know, that's a difficult uh, transition to go and visit there even for a week, such a difference between Western and Eastern culture. And they said, oh, it was wonderful. It was magical. It was life altering. It was life changing. It was just the most amazing thing that has ever happened to us. And we're like, oh, and a part of me is going, well, isn't that wonderful? You had this magical trip together that you can talk about for the <laughs> that really catty, egotistical side of me said that. But you know what? Whenever that happens to me, I know it's because there's a nugget of truth there that hasn't been revealed yet that's going to make it human. <laughs> it's going to make it because as humans, there's suffering. You know, you can read the book, it's a really tiny book. I love it. And I'm going to read an excerpt from it at the end of this podcast called The Four Noble Truths. And it's a it's a Buddhist, uh, very traditional Buddhist teaching. One of the first things that you learn when you study Buddhism. And The Four Agreements is another one. I like that one too. And basically both of them, you know, life is suffering. We're born, we die. And in the, in the meantime, we grow and we learn and we evolve. And the more that we fight that growth and that evolution, the more we suffer. So I know that's really daunting and negative, but it's not. It really isn't. So the humanness finally came out as she proceeded. She's a storyteller. So she proceeded to share the experience She's a very detail-orientated storyteller. And uh, it wasn't, it, it turned them inside out. It separated them. It brought them back together. It was, as a woman in certain parts, she found it, she's a very strong, you know, woman with a PhD and uh, in, in, in economics and ecology and I don't remember all the other stuff and education. And um, she found it, how the men were, you know, talking to her husband and not talking to her, not looking at her, not inc- making her feel inclusive. She found that quite maddening. And um, the heat, um, the the difference in how couples relate there compared to 
she would be considered almost like a, a yuppie, a hippie uh, mentality. She's she's young, but you know, still has that uh, women rule, you know, feminism type of thing. And um, and then how it ended in both of them going their separate ways, uh, and how magically they met the right teachers and the gurus, and for a couple of weeks went into one silent meditation, the other a yoga two weeks and how they came back completely stripped of everything that they were before and brand new again because of the suffering, because of the anger and the anguish and the rawness and the vulnerability and the tenacity and the arguing and the fighting and the the aloneness and the togetherness, all because of that, right? So here they are, I think approximately 13 years later, three kids and they understand that because of that experience, they understood that that is life. And we choose to do that together. And we will hate each other sometimes. And we will love each other sometimes. And when I'm going through, and I can tell you that's what it is in my relationship. When I'm going through, I know that I've chosen boot camp in this lifetime. So I'm going to learn as many hard lessons as fast as possible in this lifetime. And I have. You know, breakups, relationships, divorce, childhood divorce, uh, not being popular, uh, near-death illnesses, told I couldn't have children, having a child, becoming a single mom, (laughs) and then giving up the, I need to be physically attracted to somebody to find somebody who checks off most of the boxes and I can raise my child with, has caused a, a, a lot of suffering for me. It has also taught me the understanding of unconditional love. I can't say that I in that I have completely embodied unconditional love, not at all. It it does come and go though, and it comes more often and it stays off longer as life progresses. And because I believe in patterns and I see patterns in nature and physics and life all the time, I don't just believe in it. I know it it is the existence of our life patterns. The planets move in a specific cyclistic pattern at a specific speed, right? I know that this is a pattern that will continue throughout my life. There'll be ebbs and flows. There'll be suffering. And I know who I am. And who I am is I become detached. I become distanced. Whenever I'm going through a transition, a transformation, an evolution, or my husband is, or we are together, I become detached, irritable, short-tempered, don't get too close, give me my space, got to hang out with my friends. That's what I do. Think about divorce. (laughs) Wished he was abducted by aliens. It happens. Wish I was abducted by aliens. It happens, right? But I know that these are just thoughts. This is what I do. This is how I think when I'm going through that transition. And I know what my life pattern is and what I'm here. And that boot camp is tough. But the rewards, it's... It's worth every single second, every labor pain, every contraction, 
squeezing through the canal, being forced out by force. <laughs> it's, it's just worth it. Okay, if you're a mother, you understand the pain that I'm talking about. And then you get up and you say you're never going to do it again. And then the next thing you know, you're having another kid. You're having another lesson. What is the noble truth of the way of leading to cessation of suffering? It is a noble eightfold path. That is to say, right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. You got this. You got this. Relationships are tough. But you're human. And as a human, you have to evolve. And you got this. Namaste.